if it would just stay like that forever, it'd be perfect. Be perfect. If the world would never get over 75 degrees, that would just be awesome. It'd be great. Fall all year long. If we could figure out how to get football to last all year long, that would be even better. You know, it'd be so awesome to me. I did college football kicked off last night, or kind of kicked off last night. I, I don't know if you could call that football. It looked like a big mess on a field for, for most of the game, but uh, Florida somehow snatched victory from the jaws. So I, I think Miami gave, they, they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, I think is what happened. But uh, so excited about that. It would be fall all year, base, uh, football would last all year. Baseball kind of lasts all year long anyway. It never ends. Even when it ends, I think they just take a weekend break, stretch real good, and then get started again with the next season. It just goes forever. Uh, but we're going to have some fun this morning. We get to baptize some people today. Very excited about that. Yeah, we do. When we baptize people, it's a big celebration here because we're excited about what God is doing in the lives of the people here at the church. It's an exciting time to be here at Eastgate Church. I'm excited not just about this series that we're in called Church.Life, where we're looking at church life and how it all affects us and what Jesus has planned for the churches. But I'm excited about this next series that we're fixing to get into called You Asked For It. We're starting to see some of the questions come, al- come in already on these cards. You guys are asking some really good questions. And what we're going to do is we're going to take these questions and we're going to put together a series, you know, of somewhere between four to six weeks or longer if needed, and we're going to just answer these questions that you're asking one by one. Uh, I saw on one of the cards somebody was asking um, what the Bible has to say about this big immigration uproar we have going on right now in our country. And does this Bible speak to that? And if so, what does it say? And does it side with the Democrats or the Republicans on it? You know, um, That's going to be a really good topic to dive into. I saw some questions about end-time prophecy and how what's happening in the world, how that might play into all of that, and could you please explain how all this stuff is developing. Great stuff. Uh, Somebody's asking uh, if we could just do a service dealing with uh, the single life, dealing with struggles that singles face. I think sometimes that gets overlooked in church world a lot, and that might be something that we get into. So ask your questions. Nothing is taboo, no holds barred. If there's a question that you have that you would love to hear answered, um, we're, we're going to answer as many as we possibly can. Even if we did this series last year, and there were a lot of questions that we couldn't get to last year that we might be touching on this year also. So drop those cards in. Um, if, you, if you miss the opportunity to get it in the offering basket today, you can still get one of those cards, fill it out, and just leave it on your seat after service, and our staff will pick it up, and we'll throw it in the pile. It's going to be a great, great, great series, and we're really looking forward to it. We're going to answer some really good questions. Uh, Football season kicked off. I already said that. How many of you are excited about football? Yeah. How many of you could not care any less about football? Any of anybody in here? Yeah. There's a few of us. How many of y'all are college fans? Like college football fans? Yeah. Uh, how about pro football? Pro football is getting close. Yeah. And yeah, if pro football, man, a lot of people are playing fantasy football. I try to dabble in that, which means that I usually get a team going, and then I forget about it, and then whatever happens, happens usually. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of that fantasy football stuff going on, pro stuff. I'm a college football guy, though. I grew up on college football. I love college football. But college football is like a hot topic in the South. 
uh, you got to be careful where you bring it up and make sure you're in a safe crowd. Because it's like, if you, if you smack talk somebody's team, it's like talking about their mama in the South. We get kind of defensive on, don't you talk about my team that way? You know, because we grew up with this stuff, and with a lot of us, it's a big part of our culture and our heritage. But you can't just talk college football because there's a gazillion college football teams out there. You know, uh, conferences in the North, conferences in the South. I mean, check out this picture that I'm about to show you here. It's just college football conferences that you have. Now, how many of y'all... Some people are Big Ten fans, Big 12 fans, SEC. Are you SEC fans in the house? Yeah. Well, we're in the South, so we're going to be SEC fans. You might be an ACC fan. That means that you kind of like football, but you really like basketball a lot better because um, they, they do pretty good in, in basketball. Sunbelt Conference, I don't even understand that. But they got football teams, and they get to play the WAC and all that Mountain West, Conference USA. All these conferences come together because different people from different areas like different teams for different reasons. There's just, there's just differences out there, you know. Um, and, and you can't just, like if I said I'm an Auburn fan, I'm a big Auburn Tiger fan. I, I grew up an Auburn fan. I grew up in Alabama. I remember a time when I was growing up where <clears throat> when I rode the bus to school, Alabama fans sat on this side of the bus, and all the Auburn fans sat on this side of the bus. And we separated, and there was no hanging out or, or anything like that. And we would talk smack. Little grade school kids talking smack to each other about the other team. And then you know how when it's cold and the windows fog up and you can write notes on the school bus windows? We used to do that. We used to write Bama stinks or Auburn stinks and all that, just hate mail, old school hate mail to each other. So it was a big deal. There's differences, though, in opinions on who's the best. Like Dave Varney, he likes Yankee football, and we love him anyway, and that's okay. Uh, Some people hate football, though, and they love baseball. But here's something that that we got to get out in the open, and we got to deal with this this morning, because we have different opinions, different backgrounds, different teams. I get all that. But there's something going on in our country today that needs to be settled. Once and for all, there is a big division that's popping up right now. We got to fix this thing, all right? Is it Popeyes or is it Chick fil A? I mean, for real. Is it Popeyes or is it Chick fil A? I'm hearing both. So let's do this. We're splitting it up. Who says Popeyes makes the better chicken sandwich? Oh, it's getting quiet. So nobody says Popeyes. See, y'all are getting scared because you're in church. Now, be honest. Now, who says Chick-fil-A makes the best chicken sandwich? That's what I'm talking about. I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. I don't understand all the Popeye's rage and all that. If if you're like you were scared to say you like Popeye's, you're like a closet Popeye's chicken sandwich fan. That's cool. We love you anyway here, and that's fine. Like, I saw all kinds of hilarious memes popping up on social media. Like, I saw, it's all Photoshop, so I don't think any of it's, like, actually real, but you see the Chick-fil-A cow holding up a sign that says, Popeye's got roaches. <laughs> I love it. And then there's one, like, the picture of Jesus hanging out in the middle of the screen, and he's like, I see y'all going to Popeye's, you know, because um, Chick-fil-A, listen, that's Christian chicken right there. Christian Chickens, Chick-fil-A, you know, it's a Christian organization, so I get that. I call it Christian Chicken, but yeah, it, I, I, I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. Some people like Popeye's. We'll pray for you, because you probably like a lot of weird stuff, too, um, but uh, no, we love you. We love you anyway, but we all have differences in backgrounds and opinions and all of that, and I think that that's great, though, because that's what makes us all unique. 
You know, different personalities, different likes, different dislikes. It makes us unique. And I love that because we're all able to take our uniqueness and bring it together to create the beauty that is the church. I love that. Despite all our differences, we come together for one reason. We come together for Jesus. Amen? Jesus brings us all together. What he's done in us, what he's done, what he's doing in us, what he's done for us, Jesus brings us all together in what we call, what, this thing that we call the church. And, and it's not just what he's done in us that brings us together, but it's what we're able to do through his church to impact people's lives, to see him doing other people what he's done in us that I think is one of the most beautiful things of all. Because it's not just what he does in us, it's what we are able to do in advancing the kingdom of God through this thing called the church. I think it's great. I really think it's great. Um, we've been looking at the church, and we've been looking at uh, all of that in this series. Jesus kicked off the church, though. He kicked it off in Matthew 16, and it's really important for us to understand Jesus established this thing called the church. It wasn't man-made. It's not a religious system. Jesus established his church in Matthew 16, 18. He says, that I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus established his church. He established his church. And what we've been looking at over the last few weeks is just church life, what Jesus intended for the church to be like, what he intended for us to be doing, how that comes into play in our personal lives, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. Because, listen, if Jesus started this thing, Jesus has got a plan for this thing, right? And if he's got a plan for this thing, that means that there's stuff that, as the church, collectively, we should be doing if we're going to follow his intent for what the church was established for. Make sense? Makes perfect sense. Um, and so we've been looking at that over the last few weeks. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we were all called, as the church, Jesus called us all to make disciples. Y'all remember that, you guys that were here? If you weren't here for that service, you ought to check it out on the podcast because there's a really good message on why he's called us to make disciples. He wasn't just throwing busy work at us. Um, there's a purpose and a reason behind that. And a big push with this series is for us to talk about really the why behind a lot of this what that we do. Because a lot of people know the what, but a lot of people don't understand the why behind it. And I don't know if you guys remember, I was telling a story about one of my friends, Scott Wilson, who had this dream when he was in his 20s. And in this dream, he was up on this platform, and he was just preaching to this huge crowd. There's tens of thousands of people there, and he was preaching to this crowd in his dream. And he knew that he was preaching the gospel, and people were, were, God was impacting people's lives, and all this awesome stuff was happening. And then he said, in the middle of my dream, I stopped, and I looked down, and I saw that there was a hole in the stage where I was standing. And it was kind of blocked by the pulpit. And if you were out in the crowd looking, then you just saw me, and it looked like I was standing up on the stage. But when I looked down in this hole, I realized that I was standing on my father's shoulders. And I looked down, and I saw him, and he was holding me up and praying over me the entire time that I was preaching. And I realized that, that everything that I had accomplished in my life and everything that I was going to accomplish in my ministry was going to be because I was able to stand up on his shoulders and lean in on his wisdom and his experience and his teaching and, and all of his ministry experience to prepare me so that I could go further in ministry and do greater things than he was able to do with his life 
up on his shoulders, his ceiling became my floor. And that was the heart of discipleship. And that's all that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, was that how, how the heart of discipleship is for us to give our shoulders and our experience and, and all that life had thrown at us to other people to help them so that they could go further and do greater things in their life. That's the heart of discipleship. We want our ceiling to be someone else's floor so the kingdom of God can move forward. And that was Jesus' heart, too. He gave us his shoulders. And in John 14, he said that we would go out and we would do greater things than he did because he was going to go to his Father who was in heaven. See, he gave us his shoulders so that his ceiling on this earth could be our floor as a church. And that's what we want to do here at Eastgate, giving our, giving our shoulders to people so that no one walks alone, so that we're always helping each other get to where God is. Now, that sounds like a good church to be a part of, but that was Jesus' intent for all churches to, to make disciples, and that's a big push for us here at the church. And that's one of the big reasons why we invest in the next generation so heavily here at this church. You heard Pastor Brad talk about it this morning because we want our next generation to go further and to do greater things than we could ever do with our lives. We want our ceiling to become their floor. Oh, that would have been a great place to say amen right there. We want our ceiling to become their floor. And one of the things I'm really excited about with this whole fifth quarter thing that Pastor Brad and, the, and Urgent Student Ministries is doing, it is a great opportunity for us to reach out to the community. Fifth quarter is an after party that we're hosting here at the church after Alexander home football game. So after the football game is over, we're going to host a ton of students over here and we're going to hang out with them and build relationships with them and watch God impact their lives. I think that's awesome because we're all about investing in the next generation. And we do that um, as intentionally as we can here at the church. And through the series, we've been talking about different people that volunteer and do things in the church. And one of the people that we're going to talk about, we're talking about today, is a young lady named Bella. Bella is an awesome, awesome, awesome young lady. She's an awesome young lady, and she's giving her gifts and her time and her talents to not just be a part of what's happening in urgent student ministries, but Bella serves in eKids, which I think is awesome, that she goes in there and she works with our children's ministry as a teenager to help mold and shape the foundation for our children. Isn't that great? I think that's awesome. So she serves in the media ministry back there and does other different things. It's phenomenal because we don't just want to see our kids attend church. We want to help come alongside them and help train and develop the talents and the gifts and the calling that God has put on their hearts so that we can not just lay a foundation but equip this next generation to be effective in ministry so that they can go further, do greater things, so that our ceiling can become their floors. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Bella, you're awesome. You're awesome. She's not alone. We have a ton. We have a ton of great volunteers that do a lot of amazing things. They give their time and their talents here at the church, and God's using that to impact lives. And we talked about how we use all of that stuff last week. We talked about how there's a rhythm 
in church world. There's a rhythm in the function of the church. And when we all step in and we all do our part and all those pistons are firing the way that they're supposed to, the kingdom of God moves forward more effectively when we're all doing our part and keeping that rhythm in what God has called us to do. And when we do that, then we get to see impacted and changed lives, which is what we're celebrating today because we get to celebrate people getting baptized. And that's what we're going to talk about and the rest of the time that we have here this morning. I love that, that people get baptized. It's, it's, it's a big milestone in their walk with God. And here at Eastgate, we're all about people taking that next step in their walk with God. Whatever that is. If that means that we're praying more, then our next step is to pray more. Maybe your next step is to give more. Maybe your next step is to, to become involved in the ministry. Or maybe your next step is just to not snap in traffic when somebody cuts you off. Maybe that's something that, we're, that you're working on. We're all about taking those next steps to get closer to God. And, and baptism is a huge step in your walk with God because it's going public about what God has already done inside of you. Baptism is taking action and going public about your relationship with Jesus. So over these next few moments, before we get to baptize these awesome people, I want to do some teaching about baptism, because I think it's one of those things we understand kind of the what and the process, but I want to make sure that we understand the why behind it too, because there's a big why behind baptism. Okay, you guys ready for this? If you're ready, convince me. Say, I'm ready. All right, we're going to get into this. Baptism is awesome. It's all about taking action. It's taking action. Action is a huge part of your walk with God. God's called us to be people of action, right? To not just sit around, but to step up and, and be involved and take action. Marshawn Lynch uh, was a, a really cool football player who played for the Seattle Seahawks. And in 2014, they went to the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. But this dude... Uh, Seattle had, y'all remember that team Seattle had that year? They had a beast of a team. Defense was dominating. The the O-line was just ridiculous. They would push anybody around. And Russell Wilson was just like clockwork as a quarterback, man. And then they had Marshawn Lynch, who just, when he got the ball, it was like he was getting shot out of a cannon, man. It's just boom. He would just go, and he was like a wrecking ball out there on the field, like a juggernaut, man. He was having a great season. But Marshawn kind of became famous because he didn't like to talk much. He didn't, like he, didn't, he wouldn't talk much during the games. He wouldn't talk much during practice. He wouldn't talk much during workouts. And he definitely wouldn't talk a lot during press conferences. And when reporters would ask him questions, like he was famous for just not saying anything. And like it became a big deal at one point. Like the league threatened to fine him something like $500,000 if he didn't show up to a press conference. And so at that press conference, he showed up, and he, he just crossed his arms, and he was just there, and he'd say, when they would ask him a question, he'd say, I'm just here so I won't get fined. I'm just here so I won't get fined. And that's all he would say, you know. Um, but in, in 2014, where this all kind of started with him, and he started to get this rep, uh, he just wouldn't say much. And so they were asking the team questions, you know, uh, before the game, and Marshawn was up there, and some of the reporters were asking Marshawn questions, and he just wasn't saying anything. Are you excited about the game? Cricket, 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 you know. <laughs> All right, um, what do you think you guys are going to do against their, their front line? Man, they got some great linebackers, Marshawn. Cricket, cricket, wouldn't say anything, you know. So after about seven or eight questions, he just got up and walked off the platform. And left everybody there. And they were like, 
what? He just had enough and he walked off. It's Deion Sanders, prime time. Oh, prime time. He, he ran over to him as he was walking off and he was like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, man, look, man, it just seems like you just don't like people. You just don't like talking to people, man. What's up with that? Because you're kind of getting the rep of maybe being a little conceited. You know, what, what's the deal with you not wanting to ask questions or talk to people? And Marshawn looked at him, and he gave a one-sentence reply. He just looked at him, and he goes, because I'm about that business. I'm about that action. Turned around and walked off. Okay, well, that makes sense. I'm about that action. I'm about that action. I'm all about that action. I'd rather let my game do the talking. I'm not about the hype or the smack talk or any of this little political stuff y'all got going on. I do my talking on the field. I'm about that action. Isn't that awesome, though? That might not be very cordial, and it might not be very polite, but I got to like that philosophy, though. I'm about that action. I'd rather get out there and do it than stand around and talk about it. And I'm wondering if there's anybody here this morning that would say the same thing when it comes to Jesus and what he's done in you and what you can do in the church to see lives impacted and changed. That you would say, hey, you know what? You can talk about it all you want to, but I'm going to be about that action. I got one person. I got one person this morning that will say that. If you look through the Bible, though, God is always using people of action. There's always the crowd that doesn't want to do anything, and then there's that one or two few people that stand up and do something, and God's able to do something powerful through them. You know, Like Moses argued and fought with the call of God on his life till he finally surrendered, and he said, you know what? I just need to step up, and I need to be about that action. And he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Joshua and Caleb, they ran into a similar problem with the people of Israel because they were sitting there looking at the promised land and a whole bunch of spies came over and they said, you know what, I know God said we could have that over there, but there's too many bad guys. There's too many armies. They're too talented, too, too strong. The giants are too big. We can't go over there and do it. And Joshua and Caleb had to wait around, but they finally got to take the promised land because everybody else was talking, but they were about the action. Made a big difference. Shammah stood in a field while the army of Israel was in retreat and took on an army by himself and got a victory because he was about the action. I think that's awesome when you stop and think about it. Elijah on Mount Carmel by himself while the remnant of God, Scripture said, was in hiding. Elijah stood there by himself, called down fire from heaven, rebuilt the altar of the Lord, and took out all the priests of Baal because he was willing to stand up and take some action. The whole army of Israel was paralyzed because of Goliath. Scared to death because of Goliath until David showed up out of a shepherd field and saw what was happening. And he said, I hear all the smack talk and I see what, how big this guy is, but I know the God that I serve. 
And the God that I serve can give me a victory over that knucklehead over there because my God drops giants all day long. And David got out there and took action and won the victory. It's about being about that action. You hear what I'm saying? Isaiah stood. I want to get y'all going before this is over with. Isaiah stood in the presence of God. And God said, who will go for us? Who can we send? And Isaiah said, there ain't nobody else around. I'll stand up and I'll do it. I'll go. Send me. I'll be about that action. God is looking for a church that's not content with just sitting in a chair and being content with letting life pass by them. But God is looking for a church that'll be serious about their walk with him, that'll stand up when everybody else wants to sit down and say, I will do what God has called me to do. I'll do my part. I'll be about that action because I know that when I step up, God shows off every time. That's the church that God has called us to be. You see people that step up to take action, to take action, to take action. And baptism is a big part of that process because it's taking a step of action with your faith. It's saying, you know what? I just don't want to be a closet Christian. I just don't want to let God do something in my heart and in my life and then not let other people know about it. Baptism is going public. And a lot of people have questions about baptism and, and why we should do it and, and how it all works. And, and, and here's some why behind why we should get baptized, because I believe it's an incredibly important step in your spiritual journey. Amen? It's an incredibly important step. And here's the big reason why. One of the biggest reasons why is because uh, Jesus said we should. That, that's a pretty good reason. That's a pretty, as far as Bible stuff goes, if Jesus says you should do it, that's pretty safe to land on, on that, you know. Uh, and in Matthew chapter 28, this is where Jesus is given the, the great commission to the, the disciples in the church, 28 verse 18 and 19. Jesus came to him and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It was so important to Jesus that he put it in the Great Commission. Right there with making disciples. Right there with going out to all the world. He said, hey, go out there and do that, but let's baptize some people too. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now I think if it's important enough for Jesus to mention it, in the Great Commission, which is like one of the most powerful commands that Jesus gave his church, it's pretty important. What would you think? Yeah. It's pretty important to take that step of baptism. And I think it's neat how Jesus set this up, because he said, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, and then baptize them. The disciple comes first, baptism comes second. You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior first, Baptism comes second, because baptism is going public about what Jesus has already done in your life. There's a lot, of, a lot of churches and a lot of movements that teach that baptism is essential for salvation, and you can't find that in Scripture anywhere. It comes after salvation to let people publicly know 
what has happened in your life because the symbolism that's involved with baptism is incredibly powerful. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But Jesus didn't just command us to do it. He didn't just say to do it. He modeled it, which is incredibly important to me because I love the way that Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't already do himself in anything. Go and make disciples, Jesus made disciples. Even in baptism, even though he didn't need to be baptized, Jesus allowed himself to be baptized. And you can find that in Matthew chapter 3. And it reads, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. Can you, I, I'll probably say the same thing, too. Can you imagine? Like, think of the most spiritual person you can think of in your life, like in, all through history, maybe like Billy Graham probably comes to mind to a lot, like the most spiritual, holy person that you can think of, and them asking you to baptize them. That'd be kind of awkward. Can you imagine Jesus rolling up and saying, hey, I need you to baptize me? That would just mean, I'd be like, no, I need to be baptized by you. That's what, that's what John said. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. So he didn't just say that we should do it, but he modeled that we should do it. Baptism is incredibly important in the life of a believer. The word baptize, it comes from this Greek root word that's called baptizo, which sounds kind of funny. But baptizo has got a real, a real interesting definition. It's, it's, it reads, to immerse, to cleanse by dipping, to make cleaner bathe in water. To overwhelm. So when you go down into the water, you're getting overwhelmed by the water in the process. But it's interesting that the definition of this word for baptism literally means to immerse. There's a cleansing that takes place to, make, to be made clean in the water. Um, this is why when we baptize people here, you'll see in a little bit, dude, we dunk them. We dunk them. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bring them right back up. And if they're, if they're a tearhead and we've had problems with them, we hold them down a little longer. Bring them back up. They need extra clean. We, we have fun with them. We dunk them. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of movements do not do that. They sprinkle people. Or they sprinkle people, you know, or they pour a little bit of water on their head or something like that. More power to them if they want to do it that way. But the pattern that you see in Scripture is that you see people get immersed or dunked in the water. Jesus was dunked that way. You see it all through uh, the New Testament. Um, Paul is encouraging people to get baptized. Um, in the book of Acts, you see people being baptized. They're dunked in the water. Um, when Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch um, right after he was saved, <laughs> in the water that was just how it happened you went under the water and i mean just the word baptize itself baptizo means to immerse so to me that that becomes a no-brainer at that point um, that's why we do that we see it patterned in scripture that way and the word literally means dunk you under the water and dude when you do that there's some crazy stuff that can happen there's a lot of funny stuff on you like if you want to have some fun go home today and just put uh, baptism fails in YouTube 
and just get ready to laugh the afternoon away, man, because there's a lot of crazy stuff, not to put any pressure on you guys. So we're, we're, our goal today is to stay off of YouTube. That's what we want to do. But there's a lot of crazy stuff that, that happens, though, man. I remember we were baptizing some people a couple of years ago, and it was just great because we hadn't done baptism in a while here at the church. And so we had a ton of people sign up, and we had this big... Uh, baptism tank that we brought in not like this one we got here it was one of those big pools that everybody gets in so if you're baptizing people you get wet too and you're dunking people and uh and so i remember one of the people it was we're getting close to the baptism day and it might have been like i don't think it was the morning of it might have been the day before but this guy comes to me and he goes hey pastor josh i just want to tell you um i don't think it's going to matter but i want to make sure you know what's going on I've had some heart issues in the past, and I've got an internal defibrillator. And so what happens is if I have a heart episode or my heart stops beating for some reason, it kicks in and <clears throat> hits me with an electric shock and brings me back too. And so I just wanted to bring that up because I know you're going to be baptizing me. And we're going to be in the water together, and I just wanted to give you a heads up, because if I have an episode while we're in that pool together, and we're both in the water, there might be a pretty good chance that you're going to get hit with some electricity. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Check that one first time ever, you know. So, so this is all I'm thinking about now. And some different pastors were baptizing people, but I was baptizing that person, and I was baptizing my daughter that day and, and a couple of other people. Well, we had problems heating the water to get it ready for service. And so people were getting in the tank, and, and dude, the water was freezing, you know. So, we're just, so as soon as they hit the water, you just see shock come on their face. Just, and, and then we would dunk them, and they go running out, screaming and crying, you know, they dry off. Um, thank God you guys have warm water today for that. But it was so funny because as soon as this guy got ready to get up in the tank, immediately I went, oh, God, this water's freezing. What if when he gets in the water, his body goes into shock and his heart stops beating and I become Kentucky Fried Chicken here in this baptism tank with him, you know? And so he gets in the water and that's all I'm thinking. I'm just like, dear Lord, please protect me. I'm about to die. I can just feel it. It baptized me. Everything went good, but I was sweating it, man, because I thought for sure I was going to be on YouTube. Uh, but you never know what's going to happen when you baptize people. You guys don't have defibrillators or anything. Y'all are good. Don't have to worry about that. Okay. See, we changed our policy now. When you're getting baptized, the staff doesn't get in the tank with you anymore. We're outside in safe territory dunking you, so we changed policy. Uh, I'm not going to say because of that, but mostly because of that. This is a precautionary thing. So you dunk people in, and, and obviously you never know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen, but we have fun with it. Um, when, you're, when you're baptizing people, the reason why you immerse is because of the symbolism of baptism. And I want to go over that with you in Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, verses 3 through 4. It says there, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Powerful symbolism. When we go down into the water for baptism, symbolically we're going down into a spiritual grave. 
and we're leaving our past, our old self, all that baggage down in that grave, and we're saying we are being raised up from spiritual death as a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's powerful. That's why I think immersion is a better way to do it because of what it represents. It's a powerful statement of what God's already done in your heart and in your life. And so there's some big things. When you go down, that, down in that water, you guys, you're, you're going to be saying, I'm leaving behind my past and my sin. I'm leaving behind my past. I'm leaving behind my sin. It is all washed clean. It's not on me anymore. I'm a new creation because God has set me free through the blood of Jesus from all of that junk in my life. I am leaving behind my past and my sin. That's a big deal to be able to say that because a lot of people struggle with that in their walk with God. And that's a big uh, hindrance with a lot of people coming into church because they feel like they feel like they're too dirty to go to church. They feel like they're too dirty to come close to God and, and to let him do anything in their life. They feel like they're too dirty. And that might be you. You might be struggling. Look, you might, you, might have, you might have blown it yesterday. You might have blown it last night. You might have just tripped and, and fell and, and done some of the most heinous stuff this morning on the way to church. Let me encourage you. Listen to me. Listen to me now. Listen. One, God's not intimidated by your sin one iota. And there's nothing that you can do that is more powerful than the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus. All right? So don't let the devil play mind games with you. Listen to me. The Bible says that God loved the world first. And then he gave his son Jesus to die for us because he loves us. All right? Listen. God cannot possibly love you any more than he does right now. And he loved you with that same love. He loves you with that same love, whether Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life or not. Okay? What we do does not affect God's love for us. And that's not taught in a lot of circles. What we do does not affect God's love for us. Now, what we do sometimes brings consequences to our actions. Action, there's opposite and equal reaction. But get that. But that doesn't affect God's love for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. And I want to listen to me. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. Okay? So God's not rooting against anybody in here. Because he loves us. He loves us. So if you're here this morning and you think, oh, man. I've got so much junk in my life. There's no way. You don't understand what I've done in my past, Josh. I've done this. I've done that. Hey, I get it. And you know what? I may not know everything that you've done, but here's what I do know. God knows everything every one of us has ever done and everything every one of us has ever thought. And he is still madly and passionately in love with each and every one of us and would send his son today to die for each and every one of us to set us free from that sin. Each and every one of us. So listen to me now. Listen. When Jesus said on the cross, it's finished, he meant it's finished. 
And all the weight, all the sin of the world was put on him. And he said, it's finished. He means it's finished. Whatever you did in your past is covered. Whatever you did last night is covered. As long as we repent and ask God to forgive us, that blood covers it all. When Jesus said it's finished, it is finished. Let that get some freedom in your life. And this is what these guys are saying, is that that stuff in my life is finished. All my sin goes to the cross and is dealt with with Jesus once and for all. I'm free from all of that stuff. And if you're here today and that's not the case with you, you can be too. You can be too because God loves you just as much as anyone else in here. And it's not just about us dying to, to our past and our sin, but when we go down in that water, we're saying we die to ourselves. We're saying, I die to myself. I die to my agenda. I die to my will. I die to, to, to anything in me that, that does not line up with what God's plan and God's will for my life is. I choose to leave myself in there so that I can be raised up in the image of Christ, and who he has created me to be. There's a choice there. We like to shout and we like to clap about the cross of Jesus because all of our sin goes on the cross with Jesus. All of our past goes on to the cross with Jesus. But it's not, you can't get a lot of people shouting and clapping when you talk about the cross that we're supposed to carry ourselves. Because we're supposed to deny ourselves. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you're supposed to take up your cross Deny yourself and follow me. And that's just as much a part of the process as what Jesus did on the cross for us. And because he did that for me, I gladly lay down everything that I am. And I'll gladly do whatever he wants me to do. I'll go where he wants me to go. I'll say what he wants me to say. I'll be the person he created me to be because I know that now I am finally Free, that I'm finally living for the first time. I finally get to understand what my purpose in this world is, what my calling on my life. I finally get to experience all that living for the first time. I'd gladly pick up that cross. I'll deny myself and those old tendencies so that I can become who Christ has called me to be. Powerful symbolism <clears throat> in baptism. Powerful symbolism in baptism. So I'm dying to sin, I'm dying to my past, I'm dying to myself. But the beautiful part of all of that is when I'm leaving all that in the grave, I'm coming up raised alive in Christ Jesus. Oh, I'm coming up alive. I'm coming up alive. I'm getting rid of all of that baggage, and I'm finally becoming the person that God has called me to be. And there's some powerful scripture that goes along with that. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We leave all that old stuff in the grave in the past under the blood of Jesus and we come up a new creation. Our sin, our failure goes to him. He takes that and puts it on the cross and we put on his righteousness as a new creation in Christ Jesus. John 1 verse 12 says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He just gave us the right to become children of God. That is powerful to me. He gave us the right. There's privilege involved with it. 
But our right is connected to what he has accomplished through his name. Okay? Let's just say that I got to be chaplain for the day for the Atlanta Falcons. Because preseason's about over and they're about to start playing some real football. So they call me in. I don't know why they would do that, but they call me in. And I get to be chaplain for the day. And so they give me these free passes and these free tickets and say, come on in, do a devotional, pray for the team. You get to be the team chaplain for the day for this game. And here's some stuff. Uh, here's, some, here's some free passes, not just for you, but for your friends too. And I say, oh, that's awesome. So I take some of you guys with me, all right? So me and you are going to go to the Falcons game now. I'm going as a guest chaplain for the day, and you're going to roll with me, and it's going to be awesome because we're going to get to see some football and have some fun. So you say, that's great. We'll tear out after church, and I'll meet you there. And I say, look, you don't want to do that, okay? You can drive there if you want to, but if you drive there on your own, you're going to have to park in the public parking lot, and you're going to have to walk into the stadium, and you're going to have to do all this stuff. If you ride with me, because I'm chaplain for the day, I've got a special pass that lets me park in the executive parking deck of the stadium. So if you go on your own, you're on your own. But if you ride with me, we get to roll right up to the stadium and park in an executive parking deck. And we get to get out of our cars and walk a few feet, get in the elevator, and we go up to the executive suites. That sounds awesome. We get up there. And there's a security guy that says, oh, Pastor Josh, so glad that you're here. The team's waiting for you. Come on with me. And because you're with me, you get to go with me down to the locker room. And you get, wouldn't that be awesome? You get to meet the guys. Hopefully they're not naked in there. You get to meet the guys, meet the team, meet the coaches. We get to have a devotion. We get to pray over them. You get some autographs. Then it's time for us to go back up to the executive suites. We get up to the suites, we walk in, the security guy's there, and he checks our badges and says, come on in. And you can come on in because you got a badge just like mine because you're with me. And we go into the suite, and there's the owner and all the management team and all their VIP guests, and we get to hang out in that suite with all of them because I'm chaplain for the day. And we got special passes to get into that room. Do you know what's in one of those executive suites? At the game, there's free food, dude. Oh, my God. All the food you can eat. And I'm not just talking hamburgers, hot dogs, and nachos like everybody else has got. I'm talking five-star dining if you want it. And it's all free. All the food, all the drinks that you want. And we can watch the game on the 50-yard line from the best seat in the house, hanging out with the most important people there, eating free food and enjoying the game. And you get to do it because you're there with me. Because I'm chaplain for the day. Y'all are loving me right now, aren't you? We get to do all that fun stuff. And then when the game's over, uh, we're not going to have to deal with all the crowd in the stands. We're not going to have to wait to go upstairs for 20 minutes while... Somebody with a gimpy leg tries to make their way up the steps to go to the concourse. We're not going to have to worry about weird people rubbing on us. I hate that when I go to games and weird people I don't know are rubbing on me because it's so crowded. I just I hope they bathe. I hope they don't have any kind of crazy disease. I, I hate that. So, uh, but anyway, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about the crowd in the concourse. We don't have to worry about the crowd going out to the parking lot because when the game's over, we get to leave the executive suite, hop in that elevator, 
go to our parking deck, get in our car, and by the time they even make it to the parking lot, we're 20 minutes down the road heading to the house, not having to deal with all of that because we've got passes that give us access to all of that, and you get to enjoy all of that because you're going with me because I'm chaplain for the day. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You don't have the rights to it on your own, but because you're with me, you get access to all of it. Guys, that's how it works with Jesus. We don't deserve any of the stuff that we get. We don't earn any of the stuff that we get, but because we're with him, because we're associated with him, we get VIP access to everything that the Father says that we can have as children of God. Not because of us, but because of him. Now that's awesome if you're asking me. Everything that the Bible says that we can have, we can have what the Bible says we can do, we can do. Not because of us, but because he gave us the right to be children of God. All on his name. That's awesome. I'll roll with Jesus all day long. I'll roll with him all day long. So when we come up, we've got all of that. Because our new identity is in Christ Jesus. When the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is what these guys are saying today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. That's what it's all about, guys. A new creation in Christ Jesus because of what he's done in us to change us from the inside out. Now, that's beautiful. That's baptism. That's what it represents. And that's what these guys are doing today. And that's what we're going to be celebrating with them today. And I think that's absolutely awesome. What about you guys? I love it. So, Pastor Jeremy, if you will, go ahead and prepare. He's going to get ready. Our baptism candidates are going to get ready. We're going to celebrate with them what God's been doing in their lives. And when they come up out of that water, guys, let's go nuts and let's support them. Because we're family, right? Uh, that was pathetic. We're family, right? Amen. All right, so we're going to celebrate as a family this morning. So, Pastor Jeremy, it's all you, bro. Let's get this going. There we Good. go. Check, check. You got me? All right. So I had this good, like, speech that I was going to get up here and open with, and it consisted of uh, Romans 6 and 2 Corinthians 5. So we've got that covered. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Um, you know, as we were kind of having our little meeting this morning, um, I just want to be honest with you guys. I'm, I'm really excited about doing this. You know, we were sharing, kind of sharing some of our, our scary stories.